So back to the good professor Aaron Bain, talking about how how an animal survives a forest fire, a lot of it is dependent on what size they are. You know, immediately during a fire event, I mean, obviously some animals are killed, for sure. Is it a large number? The science on it isn't particularly good, but we don't really see a lot of evidence of strong die-offs of, say, the large mammals, things like your wolves or bears or moose, primarily because they can move quick enough and they know where water is. And so they will go to the safest places they can be, and they've adapted and evolved, you know, living in northern Canada to fire quite well. Small mammals, things like your deer mice, your meadow voles, and a lot of the shrews, actually, we always kind of thought maybe they would be killed in large numbers. But I did a study about 15 years ago that found that they actually survived the fire extremely well. And what they did is they went underground to protect themselves from the fire, let it burn over, and then they came right back up to the surface almost immediately after the fire had stopped burning, essentially. Where we're sort of less certain, I guess, is in some of the mid-sized mammals, things like raccoons and porcupines, things that can't move quite as fast as the large mammals. You know, there is a concern that they may be less able to get out of the way. However, um, a couple of studies which happened to have, you know, a bunch of animals with radio transmitters on them was actually a squirrel population. They actually, only 5% of them died when a fire burned right through their thing. And so how they survived it, we don't really know, but they were able to find places within the fire where they were able to escape, essentially. So the news is mostly good. These animals either get out of the way of the fire or there are pockets within a forest fire that are safe enough. And uh, Professor... Aaron Bain says we've never actually had a mass animal casualty forest fire event. Even though like tens of thousands of hectares may burn, in that fire there's lots of trees that don't burn and there's lots of green spots, whether it's a little bit wetter or it just happened by chance not to burn. And the animals can find those spots to the best of their ability. Again, some don't and they certainly do die and some are injured. But, you know, we've never seen in Canada a mass mortality event. Meanwhile, a lot of people talking about climate change as a result of these fires and the very dry conditions that have contributed to them. And the good professor says, as a result of climate change, more fires like this are likely. This is a good example of what is going to happen with climate change. This is climate change is part of the reason for this fire year. And things will get worse if we don't start to make some changes. And the reality is we are looking at a situation where maybe everything will come back, the forest will regrow, but the more this starts to happen, the more frequently this starts to occur in our future, the less likely that forest is going to come back. And we're going to see, I mean, projections for 100 years from now in Western Canada is that we will no longer have a boreal forest. We'll have a grassland system with patchy trees is the direction that we're headed. And fire is a big part of why that might occur. And uh, currently, is this in the province of Ontario that we have 3.3 million hectares burning, Joe Cristiano? I think it's for the whole country, for just whole if country. you total everything together. Okay, so you asked the good professor, how big is that? Because people keep saying, why, it's this many football fields. Well, I don't know. Uh, it's this many PEIs. I don't know. Uh, you feel that the good professor has actually offered you a better impression of how big this fire, these I, fires are? I asked, I asked him to explain what 3.3 million hectares actually, like, to be able to visualize it. And so he did some quick back-of-the-envelope math and gave me this answer. Well, so to put that in context, that's three times the area of the greater Toronto metropolitan area. 
almost four. Okay. I'm not sure if that's helping me much more. I mean, for one thing, we're constantly having arguments here as to what exactly the GTA is. But still, it's a very substantial patch of land. And uh, an awful lot of stuff is burning out there. And we're contending with the results. I'm not sure my voice is really scratchy today. I'm not sure if that's the smoke in the air. Because I didn't notice it this morning when I stepped out of the house and um, in the sprint that we do trying to avoid zombies uh, from the parking lot to the front door of this joint, uh, again, I didn't smell smoke, but I did hear from one person via text who said that, uh, I think they were in Hamilton, and they said actually in the air yesterday they could see like actual particulate matter, like ash. Okay, not enough time to dig into this story, but that's okay, because I'm looking forward to a visit with the doctor. It's a White Coat Wednesday. Medical correspondent Dr. Mitch Shulman is here, and we'll start with the smoke in the air and whether or not, as a public health official, which Dr. Mitch is, he would advise that people perhaps get back into masking for the time being. 